Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. It's the TABC podcast with Anna Black. <laughs> <laughs> Garen is away, and so Anna is here to stay. You like what I did there? I don't really see what you did there, to be honest. <laughs> I rhymed. Garen's away. We're here oh, to stay. yeah. It was kind of a long rhyme, so, yeah, you know, well, it got lost in translation. Of, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Guys, it's Monday afternoon, and we are a little bit fried, if you can't tell. But we're here to talk about Garen's message yesterday. It was April 2nd, talking about Yahweh Sabaoth Part 2. Because we already did part one. Were you here for that one? You remember that? Yes, I was. I do. Yahweh Sabaoth. Anna, you remember what it means? Um, <clears throat> oh, oh, did wow. you hear those you finger cracks? You literally just cracked your entire <laughs> hands. Oh, gosh. Um, the Sovereign Lord of Armies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. The, the Sovereign Lord of Heaven's Armies. I didn't study for this test. I know. Pop quiz. <laughs> you nailed it, though. That's very good. Yeah. Yahweh Sabaoth means I am the Sovereign Lord of heaven's armies. And so this time we went to first Samuel one and talked about the story of Hannah and how she cries out to God and uses that name for the first time. Right. And she mm -hmm. refers to him as Yahweh Sabaoth, the one who is over everything when she is asking for a child. And so there were a lot of good things that Garen talked about. We're going to pull a few of them out and kind of uh, break a few of them down because he can't do it all in 40 minutes. And so that's why we're here is to, to push back, to ask the questions, to dig in more. Cause there's lots of things that we're thinking from the seats. So one of those things, Anna was Garen talked about God's qualities and kind of how they can be broken into two different categories. One would be his transcendent qualities, meaning his greatness, his bigness, his sovereignty over everything. And the other category of his qualities are his imminent qualities, meaning his goodness, his closeness, his intimacy with us. And what Garen talked about was the tendency of most of us to elevate God's transcendent qualities over his imminent ones, meaning it's easy to feel that God is over everything and in charge of everything. But it's a little bit harder to imagine him as this personal, intimate father who knows me well and cares about me and sees my situation. Um, so I guess the first place that we wanted to stop here was just asking you, Anna, is that something that you can relate to? Is that something that you've maybe struggled with or was that a totally foreign idea to you? No, I can definitely relate to, um, relate to that. And yeah, so I think it's always been easy for me to recognize God's sovereignty, his, um, his transcendence. Um, but, and I, well, and I like to kind of separate my, you know, knowledge from my like actual functional belief. And I would have always said, oh yeah, God's good. God, um, you know, God is both good and sovereign. But I think functionally I struggle more with believing in 
living out daily God's like goodness, that belief in God's goodness. And, um, and I think especially, um, that I, I kind of realized that in my life, um, over just the past couple of years. Um, I think if some of you guys know my story, both me and my mom were diagnosed with cancer within like three months of one another. And, um, we're both going through treatments and then she ended up passing about, um, I think it was about seven months later while I was still finishing up my, um, my treatments. And so I'm, you know, still in remission or I'm in remission and, you know, doing health well health wise. Um, but just kind of walking through that time and that experience, um, I walked out of that really struggling with believing God was good. Like I believed, yeah, God had, um, was sovereign over this situation. And I didn't really have any problem believing that he allowed it to happen. But I think me recognizing his sovereignty and saying, God, you could have stopped this was actually really what helped, what kind of made me struggle with his goodness because I couldn't connect the two. I couldn't say, how could you allow this to happen and still believe and trust that he was um, good? And so, yeah, I definitely relate to, um, yeah, to that believing more God's transcendence than his like eminence and closeness. Sometimes it's hard to make that connection. Like we see, okay, God, you're over everything. And so if you could stop this, then you would, right? Yeah. And it's just hard to get past that sometimes. Yeah. And for good reason. It's not like your your faith is small or you're an evil or wicked or unbelieving person when you wonder that. I think it's just natural. Yeah, it's very natural. Yeah. I think yeah, struggling with kind of just the fallen world is just and the whys and everything. So yeah. Um, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, I was 25. Well, actually it was a week before my 26th birthday when I was diagnosed. So I was 25, 26. How old are you now? 29. Are you really? Oh yeah. 29. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that you're 29. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you walking through that, this, this was like a crash course in, in really putting this to the test mm -hmm. and, and maybe not even putting it to the test because it wasn't even really in place for you yet. You really had to work through it and be like, what do I actually believe about the imminence of God? Yeah. Yes. Very much so. It was just kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Just really putting feet to that, that belief and working it out for myself of what it looks like to believe that God is good. And what does he, when he says he's good, what does that actually mean? And I think I had ideas in my head of what that meant, but suddenly yeah. those ideas didn't match up with what I was experiencing. And Correct. so really working through what does God say about his goodness? So having gone through that and struggled with that and wrestled with it and wondered about it, you've clearly come out the other side and still love God and are chasing him. Is there goodness you can see in it now that you didn't see before? Or do you still struggle with that? Like what's the reconciliation on this side of that? Yeah. So I think a couple of things um, kind of stand out to me and it's still something that I like and, you know, and working through, and I think we'll always, you know, work through of continually understanding God's goodness. But, um, I think one thing that I've taken away from, um, my experience is, um, I think beforehand, um, God's goodness was very much like, you know, I would, uh, I'm trying to put words to it, but, you know, pray, Oh God, would you, you know, help me have this job or whatever. And maybe I wouldn't get the job. He didn't answer my prayer, but the you know, job that I did get, I was like, oh, this is so much better than the other one. Like, oh God, you're so good. And my goodness or his goodness was very much connected to like this like happy thing in my life or, you know, one door closes, another mm -hmm. door opens kind of thing. Like him always working something out um, for my 
betterment as an enjoyment, maybe almost. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it always felt worth it. Like that hard thing always felt worth it. And then suddenly- Like God is good because even though this didn't work out, he brought something else that's better. Better, along. yes. So therefore God is good therefore, because that happened. Yes, exactly. And then suddenly my mom passed and I was like, well, there's nothing that I would like more than my mom here on this earth. And mm-hmm. suddenly that like equation didn't add up anymore. And, um, and so, yeah, on the other end of- an unanswered prayer wasn't this like better thing. It was just grief is what it was. And, um, and so recognizing that I kind of had to change what I understood of God's goodness. And I think two things kind of have come out of that. And, um, I think one of them is recognizing that, um, God's goodness isn't defined, um, solely here on this earth. Like his goodness is his salvation in an eternity with him. And so not always looking for the answer to my prayer and the answer to his goodness and that better thing here on earth, but looking um, towards eternity and realizing that the answers to my prayers um, are answered in eternity with him and his salvation and his, the life that he gives us. So his goodness is very much connected to, um, he has a bigger picture and his picture is eternity. And my mind was very much set on what he would give me here on this earth. Um, And then two, I think I realized that um, his goodness isn't just for me, like something like his goodness in my story is also for others, like for others to see. And so I think um, losing my mom and going through cancer in that, that rough time, I think a lot of, you know, I'm able to, um, um, you know, a lot of those things that happen to me are not just for my own benefit of learning and growing in these things for the Lord, like those good things came out of it, me understanding God in a different way in my growth, you know, that refining fire kind of thing that, you know, is a part of his goodness, but then also so that other people can see how God is working in my life. Like it's for the benefit of others to see God's goodness. So my story isn't just for me, it's for others, for others to know God's goodness through my story. And uh, which is a very humbling thing to learn that my life, you know, it's not, again, it wasn't a knowledge thing. I knew that my life isn't for me, but to really like learn how to accept that and believe it and be okay with that and realize like, no, this, you know, really, yeah. A a shedding of myself and realizing that I'm not on this earth solely for me. Like I am on it to glorify God. And if that means that I will go through suffering so that others can know the Lord and see his goodness in my life, like that is good. And it's a hard good, but it's a good. Yeah, not just knowing that, like you said, with your head, but having to actually walk that out with your life and then internalize it and believe it in your heart on a new level is the goodness, is the is the thing that shows that God is good, that he's yeah. still faithful in that. And so yeah, I think we can all relate to that. And probably not to the depth, uh, to the story that you just shared for sure, but like we've all had those situations where we're like, okay, God, you said it was going to be good. Like you said that, that you were going to be my joy, but right now it just feels like it's not really worth it. So yeah, that the truth is that that joy, that goodness, it's not just in the immediate circumstances. It's in the everlasting promise mm-hmm. of Jesus forever. And it's also in, like you said, that, that humble, um, opportunity to walk through something and show others like, this is what it's like to love God in hard times and just yeah. be a living testament to what it means to like walk through the valley with God. So I think that could be our pushback on Hannah's story as well. Yeah. Because we could ask, what if God never brought her Samuel? What if he never gave her a child? Is he still good? And would she still call him Yahweh Sabaoth? And so I think what you just said summed it up perfectly. Like, even if God never brought Samuel, 
her faith to God in the valley still is a light to others and still shows his goodness. And he is still going to love her forever. And she's going to be with him forever. God that is. And so, um, yeah, it's cool. when We get to see God, like turn those situations around immediately, but even when he doesn't, it, he's still good. Yeah. And she, and I mean, you can tell that she even believed that just from her calling him Sabaoth, that's what I read, Sabaoth, um, before her, her prayer was even answered, that was her, that was how she, you know, called out to God in her suffering was this, you know, you are sovereign and you are also, you know, close by and near and good. Yeah. Um, even in the midst of her, her anguish, which I think was something that I found hard was in the midst of it. How mm-hmm. do you still call him Sabaoth, right. God who loves me and is near and is sovereign? Mm. Um, and that's really difficult. And I think that she displays that really well. Man, you had a really great observation when we were talking about this. And that was that had Hannah, correct me if I'm wrong, had Hannah not really gone through this hard time and prayed to God and committed her son to God before he was even born, would he have just grown up a normal kid? Would he still have been the Samuel that we know that grew up and had such a huge impact on the role of Israel? Um, I think that's a really cool thought too and something that you you said today. And I was like, whoa, Anna, I've never thought about that. Yeah. Cause I mean, just like, yeah. Cause if she hadn't been barren for so long, she wouldn't have been in that state of anguish and like, Lord, I will do anything for, mm-hmm. to have a kid. Like I will dedicate my firstborn to you. Whereas if it hadn't been hard for her to, you know, have a, have a kid, it probably, she would have never been in that desperate state to even, you know, and again, I don't, who's to say, I don't know. We can't, you know, it's all just kind of speculation, but yeah. Um, yeah, if she hadn't been in that state, would she have dedicated Samuel to, to the Lord? And would he, and he went on to have such an impact in the story of the Israelites and, you know, mentoring David. And, and, and so he's such a key player in the story of the Israelites. And so, um, yeah, her, her anguish and her, her, um, suffering, you know, was a key part, I think of her, you know, wanting to in desperation commit her son to God. So we see that her hard times kind of led to this great leader for Israel. And so just another way that God was faithful. Mm -hmm. And she never saw that probably. I mean, I'm not sure how long Hannah lived, but she probably never saw to the full extent what Samuel meant to the nation of Israel. So yeah, that's probably true. Pretty cool. But she still had faith in God that he was going to do it. Mm -hmm. So, and even if he didn't in her lifetime, he was still good. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Um, Garen mentioned, remember that JFK analogy? where JFK's son had like full access to the Oval Office and he was just like this little kid running yeah. around. and I'd never heard of that before. I, I hadn't either. I think the message was that just like that little kid had access to the most powerful man in the world, we as God's children have access to his throne room 24-7. And then the thought that I had was not only do we have access to it, but, you know, if JFK's, Garen said, you know, we were talking today, if, if JFK's son was playing during a, a board meeting in the room and and fell and hit his head, like JFK is going to go over and pick the child up and console him while he's still having his meeting. Like he sees his son and he cares for the little things Mm. that are happening in his life. And and it's the same for us. Like, I think so often we can say, well, yeah, I've got a seat at the table with God, or I can go to his throne room, but does he really hear my little prayer for, you know, this, this illness for a friend um, when he's got really big worldly issues to to figure out. And I think the answer is a resounding yes. Like yeah. just like JFK picking up his son or caring about the small things in his life, how much more does our heavenly father care about the small things in our life? Yeah. And so we really can't take anything to him. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And so, you know, there's people in our congregation who are dealing with, maybe it's barrenness like Hannah, or maybe it's something else that maybe they feel like, wow, should I even take this to God? Or does he even care about this or whatever? And um, I think the answer is resounding yes. Like no matter what it is, we're commanded actually to take it to God because we, it's not for us to worry and hold on to. So yep. that's a challenge. And that's also kind of an encouragement too, yeah. I think. Yeah. And you can even see that in Hannah's prayer, like just her unfiltered prayer and desperation, you know, her just really taking it to God. I mean, Eli thought she was drunk, you know, she was just like, she was all in on she it. She was all in on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no halfway. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, something else that Garen said that was so good was he talked about the obscurity of Jesus, which I had never thought about. Yeah. But Jesus started his ministry at what, age of 30? Mm-hmm. Is that when yeah. you're going to start your ministry at 30? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm just waiting to be like Jesus. <laughs> you're going to pick out your 12? <laughs> Watch out for that 12 one. <laughs> Ooh, true. They'll get you. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jesus started his ministry at 30. Garen's never going to let us do this no, again. never, ever, ever. ever. <laughs> Garen, don't listen to this one. Um, but he lived in his small town of Nazareth for that time, right? Mm-hmm. Which was this tiny village that had no cultural significance. The God of the universe is walking around these dirty roads for 30 years, virtually unknown by the rest of the world. And he didn't, he didn't see that as a wasted life. He didn't yeah. see that as like you know, plan B. That was his plan. That's what he wanted to do. And so to think that we are unseen by God or to think that we are insignificant in any way, like Jesus knew what it meant to be quote unquote insignificant. He was that way for 95% of his life by worldly standards. Yeah. And um, I just think that was so cool. I'd never heard that before. Yeah. I had never thought of it that that way. Yeah. And yeah. Because he comes on the world stage and then within a few years, he is the center of the Jewish world. And even the Roman world, he's getting all this attention. But you forget about those 30 years, man. He just grew up and was faithful well, to God. And we God. know like almost nothing about it. Right. Like it's not even, obs- it's obscure there. It's, it's obscure to us even, you yeah. know, we don't even know. Pretty incredible. Yeah. And it's even, it's even cooler when you look at James and, and Jesus, no, <laughs> Jesus read this yesterday. Um, <laughs> Did he? Garen, Did he know? <laughs> Garen read this yesterday. Um, James 5, 4, it's, it's. James, the brother of Jesus, writing this, and he says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers you, who mowed your fields, they're crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of Yahweh Sabaoth. And the verse is just talking about how Yahweh Sabaoth, the God of all, who is this big sovereign God, even sees the little guy. He sees the little oppressed worker. He sees the little forgotten one. And so no one is too small. No one is hidden from the eyes of God. And so he is writing that with the knowledge of who Jesus, creator of the universe, is, but he's also his earthly brother. And so he saw this guy grow up in quote unquote obscurity for 30 years. And you just imagine the perspective he's writing this verse with, this verse with, because he's like, Yahweh Sabaoth cares about the little guy. Like Jesus was the little guy for 30 years. He was the one that no one saw or cared about. And so you just understand the weight of this verse when you realize, wow, James grew up seeing Jesus you know, live that kind of life. And so he's not just saying it to say it, like he's seen it, he's seen it, it, he's lived it. Yeah. So I guess that's just another encouraging thing. Like, don't feel like just because you live in little Emporia or little Olpe or little whatever, that God is not preparing you for something or even doing something big in you right now. Um, Because that was Jesus for 95% of his life. So Mm -hmm. don't be disheartened by that. Yahweh Sabaoth sees the small towns in Kansas too, not just the 
the big epicenters of revival and, and things like that. So good word. Good word. Be encouraged. Um, yeah, there were just a few more things. I think if, if you struggle with this and you heard the message and you're like, okay, that's cool, but I don't know that I can really live that or internalize that. Garen took us to a few places that we can meditate on those things. Psalm 138 and 139. If you read those, it's impossible to come away feeling like God doesn't care for you. Like God doesn't want to know you deeply and, and, and legit cares about you more than anyone else. I mean, you just can't read those chapters and say, God is far. I mean, you read those, you realize how close he is. And then he took us to the New Testament and in John 10, talking about Jesus as the good shepherd who knows our names, right? His sheep know his name or the, his sheep know his voice and he knows them by name. And um, that's who we are to him. Yeah. That we're not just like these far off beings, but we are so close to him and he is always trying to draw us near. So have faith, have, have faith and be encouraged that Yahweh Sabaoth is over everything, but that he still knows your name he sees your suffering, right? He sees the loss of your mom. He sees your hurt and your pain. And he says, even though it's not all going to be fixed the way you want it to, I promise, Anna, there's good that's going to come of it. And at the end, you're going to say, okay, God, I see what you're doing. And on top of that, there is eternity with him and with your loved ones forever. And there's still this living hope that even if you're like Hannah and you never see, I mean, she got to see Samuel, which is cool, yeah. but you never see the full extent of God's goodness, mm -hmm. man, eternity is there waiting for you and you're going to yeah. get to see it all. Yeah. From life to life, that has been such a big thing for me of realizing like from life to life is where we go. Mm -hmm. And yeah. From life to life. That's really mm -hmm. good. Okay. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts, Anna? You're the, you're the brains of this operation. I don't know about that. Um, you're at least the nose ring of this operation. I'm the double <laughs> nose ring of this operation. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, just, I loved, um, the, not the analogy. I mean, it talks about in scripture about knowing the, I'm going to say it wrong. Like the hairs on our, how many, you know, mm -hmm. the hairs on our head. Yeah. Um, and they're being, what did he say? Like a quad, Quadrillion? It was a lot. It was a lot. It was a big number. A lot when of zeros. You, when you have a bald pastor, you just know the bald joke is coming right after that. Like you, <laughs> you just saw it coming a mile away. <laughs> but yeah, that was just, I don't know. I really, for seeing the small, like the small details of your life. Like if he knows the details of how many hairs you have on your head, like, yeah, he, yeah I don't know. That just really stuck out to me, but mm. it's not a new thought. Just a, I don't know. That's good. Not every good thought is a new thought though. That's true. You're so right. we got to be reminded of those good things mm. for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know that I have a final thought other than I'm so glad that Garen came back and talked more yeah. about Saba Oath because for as much good stuff as in the first one, um, there was an equal amount of good stuff in the second one too. Good. And I think, Anna, you weren't around for this part because you weren't at 12th yet. But back when Garen, before he was, I almost said president. <laughs> president of the DABC. Back, back before Garen was president. <laughs> Four more years. Oh, okay. Um, back before Garen was pastor of TBC, um, you know, he would get to teach like, you know, once in a blue moon. And I, I thought of it because, you know, Yahweh Sabbath is such a big thing. Like Garen would take a huge topic and try and teach it all in 40 minutes. And it would just be the most like, <laughs> your mind would be Brain so melted afterwards. <laughs> just like, wow, I just retained so much. I've taken in so much knowledge. I'm not gonna retain any of this. So I'm so glad that he now has the chance to like break these things down. Yeah. And say, okay, let's take a bite-sized oh, piece here. And another bite-sized piece here. So yeah, really good yes. series. Yeah, and I think that just even my prayer life has has 
being able to call the God by these names yeah, in my so prayer cool? life has just been like, God, this is what I, yeah. you know, am really yearning for today is to see you as, um, you know, Saba Oath today. This is what I really need is. And so that's been really cool for me to kind of integrate that into how I pray to, to him. Yeah. To be able to say like El Shaddai, yeah. El Roi, Yahweh Sid Canoe, yeah. Yahweh Saba Oath, and, and just call God like by what you need from him. Yeah. Because that's who he is. Yeah. Pretty cool. Hey, it is Holy Week. We are preparing for Easter at TBC. We have a few really great things that we hope you will join us for. And Anna Black, invite mm-hmm. your friends. Please invite your friends. Invite your friends. Um, Monday, Thursday service is at 7 p.m. It's going to be really good um, here at TBC, South Building. And what? I'm sorry. So as soon as you said 7 p.m., I had, my mind was like 7 p.m. Central Time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Central Time for all of you international <laughs> listeners. And then uh, Friday, we're actually going to do uh, Stations of the Cross or Journey to the Cross, whatever you want to call it, but different stations set up that take you through the progression of Jesus. And then it culminates with him giving his life on the cross. And so um, just a good reflection thing to go and be introspective and reflect on your sin and what Jesus' payment for our sin really meant. And so that is open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on Friday. And so come do that anytime. It's a come and go, uh, but we invite you to that too. And then, of course, Easter service on Sunday. So hopefully you grab some postcards and are inviting people because that's going to be a great one to be at. So, okay. Anna Black, any last thoughts? This is generally where I ask Garen what is coming Mm -hmm. up next. Well, let me tell you. Um, but we don't really know. No, I don't know. Who knows what he's going to do? No clue. Man. Would you like to take a guess? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the man is a wild card. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay. Guys, uh, Yahweh Sabaoth, part two. Do not be discouraged when you're in the valley. Do not be discouraged when you feel unseen because um, God is with you. He is not only transcendent, but he is imminent. And so he sees our pain and he cares about it and he will bring good from it. That's his promise. So live that out. Live the hope of that out every day and uh, be well, right? Right. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks. We out.